Hey, it's Melaine Lee, and you found your way to the Divine Goddess Revolution podcast. This podcast is no ordinary podcast. It is for women looking to thrive, not just survive. It's for women looking to learn how to really unlock and unleash that divine light within so that they can rock their inner goddess on a daily basis. The experts will be featured from all over the world, supporting you in becoming that badass divine goddess that you were born to be. So excited about this episode with Ricky Jane. She is going to be diving into some really controversial topics when it comes to motherhood and entrepreneurship. She is an amazing spiritual leader. She has a book, Spiritually Fierce. She has a Facebook group, Spiritually Fierce, and she just really is spiritually fierce, to be honest. And she has two children, and she's also an entrepreneur, and she just has a great spin on things and a different perspective on what it really means to be a mother and what it really means to be a soul on this journey of life and why we're really here. And what she says is that you know, our why is not our children. So this may be triggering for you guys. And I just want to like disclose, and I did disclose in the episode again, but you know, whatever comes up for you, really just get curious as to why it's coming up. All right, here we go. Welcome to the show, Ricky Jane. I'm so excited to have you here and just so selfishly excited to be in conversation with you once again. I have to say I've been looking forward to this too. I just love spending time with you, my darling, and it feels like it's been too long. So thank you for inviting me to join you. <laughs> uh, you're so welcome. Yeah, I know. I, I had so much fun in the conversations that we've had on the past in different interview series. And it was really just a no-brainer when I decided to create this platform for mother entrepreneurs. And on my podcast on the second season, I was like, I have to get, I have to get Ricky back here. I have to have her on. And I'm just so excited. And I know, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about how your children shouldn't be your why when it comes to being an entrepreneur or business owner anything really in general. And I know that this is probably going to be, you know, quite triggering for some people, which I love. I love going in those areas. And I, I'm sure you do too. But just forewarning anyone listening in, like if you feel triggered, like really lean into what comes up for you because that's, you know, what gets to be healed or what might be up for just getting a little more curious and uncovering what's underneath that. And talk to me, Ricky Jane, what's, what's this all about? Like your children aren't your why. <laughs> I'm I'm glad you've given a little disclaimer, but I love that you're preparing people to be curious and to investigate what, what happens as a result of hearing really my very personal experience. So I want to begin by saying that, Elaine, that I'm not talking in an abstract way. You know, I'm talking specifically mm. about my journey of becoming a mother and recognizing that, you know, I have to say becoming a mother was one of the most disappointing experiences of my life. And let me tell you why. Because I had a vision before I had my first child, he's now nearly 12, and that vision was earth, hippie, mother, you know, attachment parenting, like hanging out at the farmer's market, like devoting my life to that child. And I discovered 
you know, had that rude awakening to the fact that that was not my mother archetype. That was not how my mother archetype was going to show up. And I'm not sort of sure why I thought that's what I was going to be, but I guess I really aspired to that image of mother. And so it was a really big letdown for me. So my child wasn't a disappointment, but I was a disappointment to myself. And because of that sense of disconnection, I really, I found the whole journey into mothering very difficult. I guess what what I had to do was start to really investigate what I was expecting of myself versus the reality of how I wanted or how I was actually showing up. And what I discovered for myself is that, I guess what I discovered was that that even though motherhood does change you, who I was at my core was not going to alter. I was not going to become the hippie that I wasn't before I had my son. So why did I think Mm. that? You know, I think I, I had an ideal because of the images that I saw and it felt very disappointing to not embody that. So it took a really long time and, and I think it wasn't until I had my second son and that happened six years later because the journey to, to being initiated into motherhood was quite a shock. I also was a single parent from when my son was six months old. So it was all, there was a lot of complications. But by the time I had my second son, I had a lot more self-awareness and I had a lot more opportunity to really investigate what kind of mother I wanted to be and who I am. And I guess this is the thing. Motherhood is a journey to knowing ourselves better. And that is one of its most empowering and and important aspects. So when I had Luca, who's now six, I had, you know, the partner and the support and the stability. So I could actually really kind of set myself up for what I wanted. So I was back at work four weeks after he was born I had him with me because luckily the work I was doing meant that I could. And I I had childcare from when he was nine months old. These were things that I would have absolutely balked at before I had my first child. I would have thought that was spectacular mm. mother failure. But mm. this time around, I really got it. I am a woman on fire with purpose. And my purpose is not about my mothering. My purpose is about my past, my soul passion. And that is actually my primary relationship. So having these children is a, is a job I take very seriously, but it's not why I show up in the world. It's, it's, I am their caretaker. I will do the very, very best I can for them. Of course, there's huge self-sacrifice, as you're already discovering, and putting your yeah. needs secondary. But there's a really big difference between the martyr and the woman who is going to show up in service to all parts of her life. So there's lots in mm. that, and we can unpack it if you like. Yeah, this is really powerful stuff. I mean, I, you know, just really being initiated into this motherhood. I have a stepson, so, you know, I was kind of, I was not prepared. (laughs) I'm going to say, like, I was kind of not at all prepared for what it was going to look like. And I, too, I think before going into it, had some idea or kind of notion of what it would look like. And it's vastly different from what the reality of it is. And you know, I really admire women like yourself that are so connected to your purpose and your vision and your why. And like, that's the driver. And, you know, I can relate because that's very similar to me. My family isn't the why I'm doing what I'm doing, but they do benefit from my why. They do benefit from my purpose. They do benefit from my business, you know, and and I'm grateful I can take care of them that way. But it's not the reason that I'm out there doing it. 
No, and I think they benefit from your why in ways that are going to become clearer and clearer, not just from the fact that you're, you know, a fully functioning, fully expressed human and, and you know, you're bringing home the bacon, but because you are a woman who is connected to something greater than herself and there is nothing more powerful than we can show our children that the meaning of our life is bigger than just what we can attain for our own little patch of the earth and and you're showing and demonstrating what a passion-filled life looks like and to me when a child mm-hmm. witnesses that because remember children don't do what we tell them they do what they see us do you are showing yeah. them what 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 it is to be absolutely uh, turned on by life like life is is just so enriching. You're not enslaving yourself to a nine-to-five job that you hate. You're not in a marriage that sucks. You're not showing them a half-lived life. You're showing them a full-expressed life. And I think that is a big way that I have worked with countering the mother guilt that comes up. And we can talk more about mother guilt and how it shows up. But to recognize that if my children see me in a purpose-led, you know, service-driven reality that is is me just so excited to get up and get into my office every day and to show them that, then then what I'm showing them is what's possible for them. And I think that we often, you know, we often show our children something very, very different that sacrifice and suffering and joylessness and, and hard work are the only ways that you can, you know, become an adult. And no wonder children are like, oh, I don't want to be an adult. <laughs> that looks horrible. You know, I want to mm. show them a different paradigm. So even when I walk out the door to leave them for two weeks because I'm taking a group of women on retreat, I don't leave with guilt. I leave with look at what what I am creating and I'm creating this because it is so exciting to me. And that's where it comes back to my why is giving them a sense that their life should not be to fulfill me or to make me emotionally happy, not to make another person in an interpersonal relationship really happy, but that they must privilege the relationship with themselves above all else because otherwise they're constantly going to be looking outside of themselves for for the purpose Mm. of their life. This is so huge. I mean, I think probably a lot of women that are listening in might be having breakthrough and aha moments in this moment because it's so powerful. And I know for me, like, you know, I'm not that far in with my son who's, you know, three months old. And I know a lot of people when I went back, you know, six weeks after giving birth that they were like, whoa, you know, and I'm sure that there was some judgment in different things. But to be honest, for me, like having that opportunity to nourish my business and my soul in this other way. And then, and I also every Friday have three and a half hours. It's just self-care time for me. And I have a masseuse that comes over and I have Reiki healing that happens and all this stuff. And like, that I get to come back and I'm like a better person and a better mother. You do not want to see me if, and and I'm sure I'm going to have times when I go on a two week retreat. Like you wouldn't want to see me if I wasn't having those things happen. I wouldn't be yes. a good person to be around. No. And, and you know, what happens then is, is either an over attachment to our children. So if we hmm. don't privilege ourselves and what we need and that nourishment that you're speaking of, and that nourishment comes from doing your work as well as being literally nourished, you become either overly overly attached to your children and they have to then fulfill your emotional needs. So you are building your life simply around them. And then it's like suffocating, you know, suffocating something or, or stealing sunlight from a plant that's trying to grow. How do they figure out who they are if you are living entirely for them? Because 
consciously or subconsciously, you are programming them with the truth that their highest good is to please you. And so, you know, that, that sense of resilience and independence that we mostly want to foster in our children, we can actually unconsciously do the opposite by, by enslaving ourselves to our children. So we think that means mm. <clears throat> that we're putting our children at the center of our life means that they will have a really great sense of self and, and all the rest of it. And to an extent, yes. But when they get to an age where they're trying to figure out who they are, if they keep seeing that all mummy does is build their, her reality around them, then I don't know how a child learns about independence, self-reliance, and that resilience of, of how do I figure out who I am? What is my why? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's so much in this and there's so many ways we can kind of go into this. But I think I have this theory and it's, it's probably going to be one of the hardest things for a lot of people to hear, a lot of women to hear particularly, is that I believe women are groomed for motherhood. And I mean that in the worst possible way. So I mean that we, from from babyhood, are given images, toys, ideals, archetypes, pictures, Everything we see around us in the world is telling women that their highest good is to reproduce life. And that not only that, but the way that they should do that is to give up their jobs, to give up their past, to stay home, to become obsessed about what laundry detergent to buy. You know, every image that we see of contemporary motherhood is about being a domestic servant. And I mean in popular media. I don't mean like when you and I are talking. When you look at the world through the lens of, of popular media, through the television, through, you know, really through commercialism, capitalism of all kinds, it's about showing women an ideal of motherhood that then we can never feel, fulfill because, well, first of all, we have brains and we have desires and we have passions, but then we live in constant guilt of not fulfilling because we keep having those images reflected back to us. And that's why when you meet a woman who says, I don't want to have children, a lot of the time that woman will be, you know, looked at suspiciously, like she'll be considered to be a, an anathema or, you know, there must be something wrong. She must have survived some kind of trauma or she'll grow out of it. Or, you know, we don't understand what, what you know, so so as a result of that, Melaine, and this is where it gets exciting and, and full possibilities, we have the opportunity when we recognize how we've been kind of groomed to actually make a choice about how we will show up as mothers. Because I do think that that mothering, you know, role for me has been life-changing, but it took me until my son was about five or six to figure out that I had a choice about how I showed up for that role. And that was the beginning of my liberation. And now I make it what I want it to be, not what I'm told is success. Mm. So powerful, Ricky, you know, and I'm just thinking of my own life. And in January, my fiance is going to be coming home to be a stay-at-home domestic dad. (laughs) CD. And because we decided that, um, you know, that would really suit our family and the functionality of our needs and what we're looking to create with travel and different things and to hold the context and the creator, the container for my business to grow and for me to evolve even further. And so, you know, and I, and I know as souls, we've all kind of had these contracts and agreements. The moment I met my fiance and knew he was like it was like dad, like I knew he was the father of my children and I knew that this was the role that was going to play out. And, yeah. and yet, you know, what's so wild is that I have anger and resentment that comes up along the journey. And I know it's not my anger or resentment. I know it's misplaced anger and resentment because it's not me who is actually angry at him 
because he's going to be the domesticate and he's going to cook and clean and do all these different things. But it's, it's anger from the conditioning. As a child, I looked yeah. at and I was always taught the guy does this. The woman does this. This is how it goes. Yeah. The guy provides. The woman stays at home. And now that we're really breaking that paradigm, which feels so right and so aligned and so good, I still get this anger sometimes and I'm like, whoa, and I have to really sit and be with it and give myself permission to feel it and and release it again because I know it's really not mine and it's this conditioning that you're talking about. Yeah, and it's so powerful that you're doing that, that you're meeting the anger and resentment because that subconscious program, you know, my understanding from a spiritual perspective is that, that, you know, the inherent interconnectedness of all human consciousness means that when you're willing to meet that program, that fear program, which says a woman's worth is this and she must behave like this. And that's why women are in such a terrible financial situation. They have less super. They have, you know, less investments. Is that we have been taught that subservience to the male is right. And, you know, I don't care if you identify as a feminist or not. I know you do. But if people are listening and they're like, well, I'm not a feminist, it doesn't take much political understanding to be aware that women being paid less than men is is a form of servitude and it's and it's absolutely inappropriate so there is anger within Mm. at all of our subconscious around this that you are deprogramming and deactivating and you do that on behalf of all and it's not just that women will look to your actual life and say oh my god she's showing me a different way what you're actually doing at that energetic level that level of consciousness is that you're you're planting the seeds of a new possibility and i think until we're Mm. willing to look like really investigate, why do I want to be a mother? Why do I want to be the primary caregiver? Why do I want to give up my work? Are these things I actually want or are these programs that I've been indoctrinated with since I was a baby because I came out of the womb with a vagina? Like really Mm. investigating these ideas. What is it that I want versus what is safe for me to say I want as a mother? And as you're discovering, until you're kind of initiated by giving birth, and having that baby, these things are sort of tangential. You don't really engage with them until they're actually in your life. <laughs> and then you've got to kind of work, you know, backwards. And you're really, obviously, you and your partner are very aware and you've made plans and you can make those plans together. But I think what happens for a lot of women is they don't get this stuff until it's literally, in, you know, they're holding that baby. And then it's really, really hard to make change because your partner has an expectation, your workplace has an expectation, you have an expectation, your family has an expectation. So investigating that subconscious program that you're doing is so valuable to all women. And I'm so grateful that you're doing it. Mm, Thank you. I so appreciate that acknowledgement. And yeah, I, you know, it's definitely not easy. And I would say the same thing too. You know, it's like this beautiful new soul comes popping out into your life and then all these questions start to come up and come into play. And, and really the plan for us was never, I mean, yes, I had this vision when I first met him, but then the vision kind of like took a, a side seat and then it came back up when I had my son and I was like, wait, like, how is this really going to look? And as we were kind of just discussing what we wanted life to look like for us, again, this vision came back and I'm like, you know, and as I really sat and I was meditating the one day and like really seeing how do I reach the next level of impact that I'm looking to create? It was like, he, I saw him as this beautiful container, like the soil that yeah. my roots were going to start to grow in. And I'm like, oh, wow, he has to actually come home and stay at home and be 
the person that's the primary caregiver while I'm working and doing these different things. And he's going to be okay with that. And, you know, but it's still hard. It's still hard to have those conversations. I don't want to say hard, but like challenging because there's so much, like you were saying, programming and conditioning, you know, so when people are kind of feeling stuck, it's also to know that there is really another way out too. It just seems like there isn't. Yeah. And you know what? I think what we're talking about, um, Melaine, we're both in a very privileged position that our businesses are really successful financially. And, you know, my first yeah. goal in my business was to meet my husband's income. I wanted to earn as much as my husband because there was a lot of economic imperative tied up in our relationship because when I met him, I didn't, you know, as a single mom, I didn't have my own career yet or my own business yet. And I really wanted to make sure that I earned as much as him so I could figure out if this felt like an equal partnership. And so that when I reached that goal, it was such a moment of being able to sit back and say, yes, actually, I do really want this relationship and I do want things to be a certain way. The success has also brought with it the possibility of getting great support. And we talked about this before we, we jumped on live and having great support is a privilege of being successful. This is I talk to my women that I train about this a lot. It's like, you, when you make your goals for success really real, you're more likely to achieve them. So for me, I have a nanny. I have, you know, a cleaner, a house cleaner. I have the, the freedom to like fly my parents down from Queensland, you know, which is in another state for me if I need to go away and we need more support because I've got the financial success. And, and I'm talking about my business. I'm not talking about my husband's job. I have desperately tried to get him to quit and stay home. But <laughs> so I invest in having that proxy husband, if you like. I get really good support people around me. So one of the things we're talking about, I mean, I think we're talking, we have to acknowledge we're speaking from a really privileged place, but that privileged place is something that you and I have both worked for because financial freedom is power. And with that power Mm. comes the right to choose. And I guess that's the thing is, uh, there's no way that I'm going to work the way I work and still be the domestic servant and still show up and do more of the pickups and drop-offs and still be the one who does the cooking. Like at some point in my business, I, I said to my husband, I no longer cook and I no longer clean because I literally do not have the time. And, you know, mm. we found a new paradigm. We figured this shit out. He cooks. It, it actually just works. You know, if one person stops yeah. doing it, the other person does And because he wasn't willing in the way that your partner is to kind of step out of his own work, we had to bring in extra support. And I, yeah. you know, I'm so grateful that I can do that. But I think that, you know, particularly for the, for the women who are on this path as entrepreneurs, when you get clear that your children are not your wives, that your success is going to show them what's possible with their own life, you then get the luxury of getting in the support that allows you to not have to make this a constant juggle, a constant struggle, a constant stretching of, of limited resources and a constant battle between you and your husband. This is something that's also not going to necessarily be popular with people. It, it's actually really good for your partner for you to believe that you have to be the primary caregiver, giver, even if you're both working. It really works for him. Mm. And I'm speaking to women who are in, in you know, um, in male-female relationships, but it actually is something that he's not necessarily going to give up that easily if he's not aware and awake because I would love a wife, Melaine. I don't know about you, but oh my God, I would love me a wife. Like imagine that. So why would he easily, you know, why would he give you up in that role easily? But I think it's, it's a big thing for women to really look at the role of wife 
as well as looking at the role of mother because I think a lot of our servitude actually comes from that idealized idea of wife as well. You know, I don't want to be a wifey. Mm. I'd love to have a wifey, but I, in no way am I ever going to be that. Yeah, no, totally. And yeah, it's funny. You know, I, I think that support is so essential. You know, I have a nanny and two sitters that come and like rotate on a certain day and we have a cleaner and we have someone that mows our lawn. That because, you know, right now he's not home. And so I'm working, he's working and having that support is like so essential. And I think, you know, you were talking about it earlier. It's just like really letting go of like that guilt or that shame. Like anytime that comes in for me, I really always identify that it's not actually mine and it's not something that I actually believe in as a truth. And it's some, it's coming from somewhere else, right? So whether it's like family or societal and just identifying and just like seeing it walk in as though like a stranger was coming in my door and it's like, oh, hello, guilt, yeah. hello, shame. You're not mine. I actually didn't invite you into my house today. Thank you. Why are you here? Yeah. Oh, okay, great. And then like, you know, gently guiding them back out because having that support, it's like really so, so, so important. You know, someone was sharing with me, I can't remember where, who told me the story, but they were telling me that I think it was a midwife or someone or a doula that I was talking to. And they told me that the women in uh, Papua New Guinea, I believe, still do this to this day. And when after they have the child, the child's passed around in the village and like everyone else is holding the child and the mother maybe has the kid for like an hour or two, like whenever the kid needs to get fed and then it's being held by everyone else. So like when she holds it, there's such an immense connection and love and appreciation because she's not holding the child 24-7 and her arms aren't breaking off. Yeah. And it's part of that idea that, you know, the young fit people in the village needed to be the ones to go out and do the work. So it was the elders in the in a community that would look after the little children because they were the ones who mm-hmm. were sitting in the village, you know, and, and it makes sense, you know, we are not going to be, okay, you know, intelligent, educated, passionate women who have created businesses because we have something to say and something to offer, we will not be satisfied with sitting down, you know, breastfeeding or bottle feeding every, you know, all the time without any kind of stimulation to our mind. We will not be satisfied with a half-lived mm. life. And, and mothering can be a fully expressed life, but it's not going to be that way for every woman. And this is where I need yeah. the women who are listening to be really clear here is that you may be the fully-fledged mother archetype. And that is absolutely perfect. I'm not saying that that is failure if you don't go off and start a business or start a job. But for the woman who is not that archetype or it's not your primary archetype, it's okay for you to give yourself permission to have a life that is bigger than that and to make choices that are going to not necessarily be popular. The other thing I want to say about guilt, because I think you're absolutely right, is that it's so often a borrowed emotion that we're sort of Mm. taking it on from other people is that guilt is fear and all fear is a messenger and all fear has really good information for us. And I know I did this in the early years of my business before I had the extra support is that I did a really rubbish job of separating my work time from my family time. And so I lived in a constant Mm. state of guilt because I was either wanting to be, I was with my kids wanting to be working and sneaky surreptitiously trying to work or very overtly trying to work Or I was, you know, with my work and feeling guilty about the way I hadn't shown up for my kids. 
And it wasn't until I recognized that my job was to be fully present to whatever task was at hand. And that meant shutting off my mind from my work if I was doing my parenting and vice versa, that, that I could then truly show up to both roles without that sense of guilt. But if you're trying to do two things at the same time, you're going to feel rubbish all of the mm. time. And so, you know, that did mean cultivating a really powerful discipline, like getting up before my family, you know, 4 a.m. starts when I was writing my book, going to bed early so I could do those 4 a.m. starts, you know, carving out time that wasn't necessarily available in the nine to five. But this is the thing, when you, we hear excuses around, I don't have the time, it doesn't matter if that's because you're a mother or any other role, it's simply you being unwilling to ask for the support that you need to make the uncomfortable changes in your own life and to ask other people to make those changes and to, to de-privilege motherhood as though if, you know, if that is the central and most important thing of your life and it doesn't feel like it is, then you're going to be at war with yourself constantly. So I think this is, as we say, it's absolutely knowing what what and who you are. And motherhood will do that, but fear will also help you do that. So don't run away from that guilt. Sit down with that guilt and say, what is deeper than this this nagging, horrible feeling? Am I actually just being half-assed at everything? And is it time for me to put in some really clear discipline boundaries between work life and home life? And I don't believe there's balance. I don't believe work-life balance exists for, for women like us. I actually think that balance mm. is, is death in a lot of ways. I think it's actually just yeah. about being present. Because if you're present to your kids mm. for 10 minutes in every hour while they just want some engagement, and then you go back to doing your work, that 10 minutes will change everybody's life for the better. If you are like checking your phone while you're trying to play with your kids, they will see I am not valuable and I'm not important. They will feel, you know, desperately in need of trying to get more of attention. Their behavior will probably escalate in order for you to do that, for them to get that extra attention. And you're then going to have no available creative energy and you're, you're being run ragged, but simply because you weren't showing up in a fully present way to whatever your task was. Just like when we show mm-hmm. up to work in a half-assed way, we do half-assed things. Yeah, and then we get half-assed results and wonder why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ricky, so much wisdom, so much wisdom. I expected no less. Like, I really just love and agree with everything that you're saying in this moment. And for those ladies that are listening in that want to just get more of you, where is the best place to find you and find out what you're up to? Because I know you're always creating some amazing new things. <laughs> well, look, you know, uh, my clients, <laughs> is the Institute for Intuitive Intelligence and we are on Facebook and Instagram and I have a beautiful Facebook community called I Am Spiritually Fierce and of course we're talking a lot about fierce mothering here and fierce entrepreneurship so I think that group Mm. is a great space if if people are looking for other possible ways but um, you know my YouTube channel also has a huge amount of free resources and one of the things we do do for mothers is to put subtitles on our videos because I don't know if you've noticed, Melaine, you've noticed with your stepson, he's a little bit older. As soon as a mother starts watching something on her phone or on her laptop, that is like honey to the bee. The babies come and run it and they all want to be sitting on mama. <laughs> so I read, <laughs> read a, a, yeah. a while ago, most, a lot of mothers will watch videos on YouTube or Facebook with the sound off so that they can be surreptitious. So I was like, well, we've got to caption them then. So yeah, you'll find lots of great resources there as well. Awesome. Awesome. And all of that information you guys will be in the show notes. 
so you can just hop back over to my website and malinely.com and and you'll find Ricky's episode and that'll all be in the show notes as well. And Ricky, oh my God, thank you so much for joining us today, for sharing your wisdom and you know, thank you for being a a fierce, badass mama. (laughs) (laughs) It's my absolute privilege. (laughs) Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed enjoyed creating this episode with Ricky Jane. And make sure you guys rate and review us on iTunes. And until next time, wishing you an amazing day. Bye for now.